Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Welcome to the show, you lollipop kids. I am Brian McWilliams here. If you're watching on the video, uh, my camera crapped out right before the show started. So I've got my banner behind me, but you can see my beautiful den on the sides of it. Logitech cameras, pieces of shit. Never buy one. Absolute trash. Anyway, welcome to the show. There's a little negative ad. Before I give you a positive ad, of course, I got to tell you as we start the show here, guys, I trust Capital. I know you say, Brian, I've heard you talk about it before. Well, for good reason. I trust Capital is the number one crypto-centric and hard metal-centric IRA in the biz. These guys have over 1,200 reviews on Trustpilot. They have two different insurers to back it up so your crypto is not going to disappear. It's not going to get stolen. It's not going to get hacked. It's there for you because this is a long-term investment. Roth IRA, regular IRA. The idea behind it is that you can keep your money in this in a crypto. You can keep it safe from the greedy, greedy hands of government who wants to tax the living hell out of you. And you have virtue of that. You can ins- basically insure yourself against the, uh, the, I don't know, whatever you want to do. I mean, the capital gains task right now is kind of terrifying. So you put it in an IRA account. You keep it for a certain number of years, and then you can take it out tax-free. Or if you so desire, you can also just trade on this platform. The uh, iTrust Capital has over 26 different cryptos. You can go on there. They've got the lowest transaction fees in the industry. So you can just wheel and deal your crypto if you want, as well as hard currencies, silver and gold, etc. So... Here's the deal. You go to itrust.capital forward slash lions. You go ahead, put in the promo code ROAR, R-O-A-W, R-O-A-R. Am I spelled ROAR like a kitty? ROAR, itrust.capital forward slash lions. And you're going to get $100 in free Bitcoin when you start up that IRA account or you port over an IRA account. Trust me, this is a great service. You want to use these guys. They have been around forever as far as crypto is concerned, and they are the most trusted in the biz. Again, itrust.capital forward slash lions, promo code ROAR. Now, hopping into it, I want to welcome, as I said, welcome here to Electric Liberty Land, my lollipop kids. I hope that you are uh, not proud denizens of Candyland looking to separate from a region and uh, join another region, which you're far more fond of because it might start an international incident. And that is, of course, what we're going to talk a little bit about today on Electric Liberty Land. Now, I had talked about Russia and Ukraine, right? My opinion about Russia and Ukraine was that we've got a situation wherein you know, I, in my opinion, it was ginned up because you've got the military industrial complex, you've got the weapons manufacturers, you've got the neocons, you've got the Biden administration, all looking for a new reason, not only to buy more armament, right? This is the military industrial complex portion. You've got all of these spy agencies trying to justify their existence. You've got the Biden administration itching to get any distraction off of what has been an absolutely atrocious year for him. And You've got our convenient old enemy over there in Russia. Now, what has happened over the last couple of days has been a new revelation in how we view the situation here, right? Because before I had said, it doesn't make sense for Putin to try to get into a new hot war, right? Not over the Ukraine. It's not valuable enough to Russia, to what they're trying to do, to get into a hot war, right? I am correct in that. Still, to this day, I'm correct in that. And... I had pointed out that it's funny to me that Joe Biden and, uh, and Adam Schiff are out there trying to take credit for averting a catastrophe, which I had said was never going to happen. I still think it's not going to happen. I still think there's no chance of a hot war happening in the Ukraine with Russia. And I still think that there's going to be plenty of armament that's going to be sold to the contractors, to the Boeings, to the Raytheons, to you know God knows what else out there, all the different weapons manufacturers that want to benefit off of this. Those contracts are still being signed and written. So that Check that off, right? That's being accomplished. The thing that's changed is that, right, We Putin did these exercises. He had troops amassed on the border. They pulled back. They never invaded. Even though you have Joe Biden now saying that an invasion is happening, right? The invasion is imminent. Oh, this is part of an invasion. Oh, we're still going to see an invasion, right? And this is the, the start of an invasion. 
Because what Russia has done is Russia has rolled in what they've termed peacekeepers. Now, this term is a bit ridiculous because these people are keeping the peace so that Russia can essentially annex portions of the Ukraine. Now, the portions in question is not, you know, it's not the whole Ukraine. Like they're trying to make it out that Russia is just going to invade the Ukraine and there's going to be a big war in the Ukraine. No, not the case. What it turns out to be, and thus you might have guessed by the title of this episode, is that the Donbass region, right? Which is the Donbass region is on the western side of Ukraine and it butts up against uh, Russia, right? So this area, wait, am I getting that right? I might be confused by east and wests, but it butts up right against Russia, right? And these are people that are ethnically Russian. They are, they view themselves as culturally Russian. And this Donbass region has within it, you know, these two different areas. And let me, I'll, I'll pull up the story so I don't get them wrong. Donetsk, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to pronounce it right. Donetsk and Lugansk, right? Those are the two regions. Now, these two regions have been overtaken by what they've called rebels or termed rebel rebel groups that essentially want to reunite with Mother Russia. They actually held a referendum in the Ukraine wherein they decided and voted that they wanted to leave the Ukraine, these specific, these two regions. This is back, I think, in 2014. They held a referendum. They said, we want to leave. Putin said no. I don't want to take you. I'm not going to take you. Now, whether or not this decision was based on, on where he felt his strengths were at the time is what is in question. Because right now, Russia and China have very close ties. Putin probably feels fairly confident that he can, in fact, annex these regions because he does have China as a backer. And as much as the Ukraine and has NATO and we have you know the United States at its back, China is much closer. China is is quite powerful in the region. Those two powers together are quite a a tag team. And I don't think the United States should want to fuck with them, nor do I think that we should ever entertain the thought of it. But that aside, in 2014, those those bonds were probably not as strong. So Putin said, nah, nah, nah we're not going to worry about it. Let's, uh, let's just have you stay in the Ukraine for now. And he didn't take them on board. So... Flash forward to 2022, we have Putin saying we will not be invading the Ukraine. Maybe he wanted to. I still think he didn't, but he knew he didn't have to because clearly these regions and their leadership and what have been, I've read some Al Jazeera article about it describing these quote unquote, you know, districts or republics that were created within the Ukraine. These two zones have basically been autonomous. They've had their own leadership. They've had basically their own governments in place. And they were operating more or less outside of the oversight of Kiev and of the oversight of the president and the, the state structure in Ukraine. So for years now, they've operated uh, autonomously. However, still under the guise of being the Ukraine, I guess there's kind of, in a, in a, this is an extreme example. So please don't, you know, you know, come tweet me out this shit. But um, in a way, it's a little bit like the Gaza Strip in that they were isolated and unable to trade and people couldn't get into these regions very easily. Um, I guess, you know, to get into them, you had to go up and around to the Russian side of things. You couldn't go in from the Ukrainian side of things. It's just all sorts of odd barriers in place as it was figured out between the Ukraine and these separatists. And the separatists really wanted nothing to do with the Ukraine and the Ukraine, I guess, vice versa, wanted nothing to do with the separatists. So it came to a head now where they decided we are going to once again leave. We're going to declare independence and we're going to align with Russia. Now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there was backs, backdoor dealings. I'm sure there were conversations going along with Putin and uh, probably uh, Xi, Xi Jinping to say, we're going to do this. So Putin gets in a place. He puts his troops there. We get all this talk about him invading. He knows he's not going to, but he has the troops situated now so that when these regions declare independence, he can very easily move in the quote unquote peacekeepers. Now, these peacekeepers are not there to keep the peace uh, in the regions. It's not as though the regions themselves were going to fall into some sort of anarchy or chaos. And I don't mean anarchy in the good way we mean it. I mean, anarchy in the way that the, uh, the psychopaths mean it, where there's a lawless society where people eating faces and ripping ears off. He knows that's not the society because they already have their own governments, basically. The peacekeepers are to avoid these regions from being taken over and um, repatriated by the Ukraine. That's what the quote-unquote peacekeepers are for. 
Biden administration and other world leaders are calling this a quote-unquote invasion. Now, there's only a, a small cadre of countries that have recognized the autonomy of these regions, right? Since they've declared it, um, Russia, I believe, is officially filing to to take them in as a now an extension of Russia, and, and or at least to make their borders solidified as independent nations. So we now have the situation where Biden's calling it an invasion because Russian troops are in there. Is it an invasion? I would say it's an invasion in technical terms as far as Russian troops going into Ukraine's borders. However, since we know that these are autonomous zones that really even the Ukrainian troops weren't going into before, it's hard to really back that up. It seems it falls apart about around further scrutiny. It seems that this is more or less going to be a bloodless battle in which land is going to be voluntarily given over by the residents of those lands to Russia as they opt to join, hopefully, that Russian state, according to these peoples. The way in which this is being described, though, because Putin has to be the great boogeyman, because we still need to have the military-industrial complex propped up, because it behooves CNN and Biden to try to boost their ratings by playing this up as a potential war. And, oh, my God, the end of the world in World War III. Like, World War III was trending on Twitter because people are imbeciles. It behooves them to play this up. It helps the stocks. It helps the distractions. It helps the ratings. So naturally, they're going to lean into it. But I don't see any way that this doesn't... Number one, if the people in the regions want this, if Putin wants it, it's going to happen. There's no way we're going to get into a war over this. These regions are not strategically important enough because they were already lost for all practical purposes to NATO, to the Ukraine. They're not, we're not going to be planting missiles in the Donbass region. The inglorious Donbastards, as I've turned them, uh, would not allow that to happen. Now, let's pivot for a second. Because as I said, you know, I don't trust the military-industrial complex. I don't trust the spying complex. And... If we were to trust them right now, I had said that they played this up. They were planting these seeds and, and trying to stoke this because of the connections, because the lobby to grease politicians to make themselves more important, et cetera. I still believe that. But at the same time, I also have to wonder if these intelligence agencies are so potent, if they're supposedly so well-informed and they've got their spies and they've got their, their uh, you know, apparatchiks working in these different environments... Why the fuck did nobody know this was coming? Why are we being, being told that Putin is going to invade the Ukraine? Why are we being told, and, and of course Putin's denying it, but why are we being told that there's a, a hot war forthcoming, that there's going to be a massive troop invasion, that tanks are amassing, and that he's going to go in and to quote some journalists that have been, of course, tipped off by the White House and tipped off by the spying state, it's going to be one of the bloodiest actions ever taken. Why are we getting this information, right? When what actually happened is two regions that have their own governments have decided to leave the Ukraine bloodlessly and join Russia. Seems like a pretty big deal. Seems like there could have been a lot of coordination going on behind the scenes to make that happen. Where the fuck were the spying apparatus or apparatchiks? Where, where, the, where are the ghosts? Where are the spooks? Where are the people that are supposed to know all this shit? What do you do here is my question now. Because if you knew about it, then you were lying to the public, then you were lying to the president, then you were lying to the media about this being a hot war, which again comes circularly back to my point that that's good because that gets the contract signed, that gets the ratings up, that boosts the stocks for the warmongers and the military industrial complex, that gets the budgets assured for the CNN or the CIA. But again, these people either are completely incompetent or they are intentionally fucking lying to everybody. Which is it? Which is it? I just don't know. But I will say there were some funny memes, at least, that came out of it. You know, there was one. I just, well, Putin is a, a great troll. I'll give him that. He's a great troll. Because of all the action on the Canada border, which I'll talk about in just a minute. He went and uh, met with uh, with China's premier. And of course, he went in and he's killing time. There's a piano there and Putin likes to play the piano. So he played O Canada. <laughs> I got to say, look, 
I appreciate his trolling. I mean, he is he is the Donald Trump. He he, he was been Donald Trumping before Donald Trump got in office with us. So it's pretty entertaining. I also saw though, you know, with the World War Three memes, these uh, somebody posted a, it was a picture of a girl from some cheesy paranormal show, and her body, her spirit's rising out of her body, and it said me. Uh, it's me uh, and my feminism rising out of my body when they finally do a call to get people drafted for the next world war, which don't worry. Don't worry, feminists. You are safe for now. You can keep beating your uh, your fourth wave, fifth wave feminism bullshit drums. Uh, you are safe from the draft for now because nothing, I say this again, nothing will come of this. Nothing except more contracts and maybe more spending. That's all you're going to get out of it. Okay, let's move on to another topic here. I just mentioned the, um, so the truckers in Ottawa have now been dispersed in a pretty violent manner, uh, considering the fact that in different parts of Canada, when the state had backed down, there were hugs, there were handshakes, there's video of it. And now these were peaceful protests in every way. Peaceful protests, right? There were no attacks from the truckers. The truckers, in fact, didn't take the bait. When cops started threatening to take their kids, when cops started uh, taking the gasoline and taking all these different things from the, the truckers maintain their composure far more than the state. Right. And nothing pisses off, especially leftists, more than maintaining your composure in the face of rabid attacks and uh, accusations of Nazism and, and coming at them because they want you to react. They want you to embody the stereotype they think you are. Right. So these truckers basically just sitting there and chilling couldn't have driven them any more crazy. But finally, Justin Trudeau moves in, declares that civil and basically your civil liberties have been suspended. And the terrifying thing about what he's doing here is it's setting the stage for what is essentially already happening. And that is and it's been happening here. You saw it with uh, January 6th and, and other circumstances. You saw it with my pillow, you know, Mike Lindell and my pillow. You saw it with Alex Jones. You saw it with Donald Trump is politicians working with financial organizations to target you. And that's really, when it comes down to it, more than the cops going in and there were some violent actions by the cops, guns drawn, baton, uh, batons out. Um, there was violence happening to break up this, this trucker convoy in Ottawa. But beyond that, a lot of people were voluntarily moving out because Justin Trudeau had given, basically given banks uh, at the order of, and behest of the government, but given these banks orders to monitor transactions coming in from foreign entities, to freeze those accounts, to freeze the accounts of anybody that's donating money to the truckers because they are now redefined. These peaceful protesters protesting what is a vastly uh, unprecedented overreach by government into their health, their personal health. They're fighting back against that in a peaceful protesting way in the best way that they can. And the government's response is to declare them terrorists freeze their bank accounts, threaten their loved ones, and now go in with violence. But the freezing of the bank accounts is really the scariest thing because of the emphasis on digital currency. Because this is why when we talk about the adoption of country-backed digital currencies, why we have to have some alternative, whether that's Bitcoin, whether that is a insistence on a hard currency, you know, a gold-backed currency, where you have to insist on different forms of currency that are accepted. And, you know, at state-by-state state level, this is already happening. I think Arizona passed a state uh, mandate, or not a mandate, but a state um, law that accepts gold and silver as currency now. These types of things are necessary because when you have government ability to shut off the spigot of your accounts and everything, virtually everything, is digital now. Well, they have full control over everything you do, not only in tracking you, but also in what you can buy, what you can spend, where you can go. They can track your financial transactions to see where you've been because your money is your footprint. There's no greater fingerprint that you have than how your money is being spent. And also that beyond that, they can look into how you're spending your money. They can look into and, and threaten you with cutting off payments for your house, cutting off payments for your children's welfare, their health care. This is the poison that is spreading throughout the system, and it has to be stopped. Now, governments will create digital currencies. There's zero doubt about it. It's too much potential for control and power, and they know that monetary control is one of the prime levers of power that they do possess. But this is why, again, Bitcoin is so absolutely, insanely important, or other cryptos, right? It doesn't have to be Bitcoin. Whatever crypto is your is your favorable currency, as long as you can keep it away from the government. 
The other thing I wanted to talk about just real quick is that, and I've mentioned this on the show before, so apologies if I'm repeating myself, but one of the prime examples of how currencies can be manipulated in the UK, and this is being pushed back on by some of the premier or the uh, prime ministers there, is that not only can they turn off and on your currency, but they can limit what currency can be spent on, i.e., if there's an issue wherein they want you to cut back on gas and they want to ration gas and force you to that. Well, they're going to say, oh, you're only allowed to use 60% of your currency. When you when you go to make a gas purchase, we're going to cap you. You're only going to be permitted to buy this amount at this certain time because of the climate, right? Or we're going to not allow, not permit any purchases of styrofoam cups, or we're going to disallow uh, the purchase of any tobacco items. So if you're over the age of 60, you know, these are the real examples of, and, and basically, these are the things that we talk about the strip, the slippery slope with COVID. We talk about with uh, terrorism and extremism. These examples may sound crazy now, but I promise you, they're not going to sound very crazy in a year or two. Because as you see, the drums start beating for climate change, right? After COVID, we're going to move to climate. That's going to be the next big thing. You're going to see people calling for crazier and crazier things to, to mitigate the quote unquote climate crisis, even as we look outside and it's a, a lovely, windy, cool day here in Los Angeles. But you're going to see calls for this. And they know that once they get into your bank account, they can control everything. And when it comes to climate change, when it comes to fuel intake, purchasing power, food consumption, these are all intricately tied into what they will tell you is the climate crisis, especially when it comes to food consumption, gasoline consumption, power usage, and power consumption. They will look to limit that. They will look to use these digital currencies to get in there and limit what you can do with it. Watch and learn, because I guarantee that's going to be on the docket and you have to keep an eye out for it. Keep your electric eye on that, babe. Um, all right. The other thing that's interesting is the United States now is having a, a trucker convoy. I got some email, some press release about it. Um, they're going to be, uh, what is it called? The US, USA Trucker Convoy. And they are going to be going across the country, leaving from California, going to Washington, D.C. Now, again, I, I hope this is on the up and up. Right? The People's Convoy. That's what it's called. I hope this is on the up and up. I hope this isn't something uh, that's just taking advantage of. The fact that there's a prominent pastor involved with it, however, makes me very concerned because nothing against you religious folks out there, but anytime there's a big-time pastor involved, that, to me, reeks of self-enrichment. I've seen uh, far too many big-time pastors that are in it just for their own money that then go off and diddle kids or go off and are you know, having sex with 15 different women in the uh, in the backs of the pews. So I have a, a little bit of a skeptical view on it, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt for now. I'm curious to see how this plays out, especially as it comes, you know, crossing state to state to state to state, but it will certainly be uh, entertaining and interesting to see if they can complete this, if they can make it to Washington, D.C. And when they arrive, what that reception will be like. I'm going to go and say that it's going to be already covered as a racist event. If they find one Confederate flag flying anywhere, they're going to focus on it. If they find one probably false flag uh, Nazi symbol, they're going to focus on it. They will focus on how there aren't that many black or Latino truckers out there, even though there's a shit ton of black and Latino truckers out there. They won't show any of them. And when they eventually, if they eventually get to Washington, D.C., they will be met with barricades and a police force like you have never seen because they want to make this into a show. They want to make this into a spectacle. Not the, I'm not talking about the truckers. The truckers want a spectacle, too. But the people in power want to showcase this as the next round of American terrorism, homegrown extremism. They will set this up to make it look like these protesters are not peaceful. They'll set it up to make it look like they're clamoring at fences. They'll get pictures of them right face to face with uh, stormtroopers from the state. All of this is forthcoming. And like I said, I would be surprised if they actually do make it there, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, let me take a quick second, guys, to tell you about a new sponsor, quasi-new sponsor anyway, which is, of course, your friends over at IP Vanish. IP Vanish VPN. If you guys are tired about people tracing, chasing, and chasing, tracing and chasing you around the internet, well, 
IPVanish is your solution to mask your identity. Basically, IPVanish can make you invisible online. It can mask your location even, mask your IP address. It enables you to avoid the advertising trackers, the hackers, the spammers, anybody trying to locate what you've been looking at, where you've been looking at it. As I've said before, who knows? I don't know what you're looking at online. I don't want to know what you're looking at online. But I can assure you, the things I look at online, I don't want anybody else seeing. So IPVanish can help you. Great thing too, you can use it across any of your devices. Click of a button, log in, get the service. Click, turn it on, and you are protected. You are safe from those peeping eyes of the internet. It works on your laptop, works on your Fire Stick, works on your tablets, works on your phones across any device. And good news, one subscription across all your devices works. Other great thing about this, guys, is they've got thousands upon thousands of reviews on Trustpilot. They are number one in the industry. And you can get 70% off if you go and use our code. What I want you to do, go to ipvanish.com forward slash lions and use promo code lions. Now you're going to get that 70% off. And basically it comes down to, you know, like a few dollars a month. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic deal and I would not go on the, on the line anywhere without it. So check that out again, ipvanish.com forward slash lions and use that promo code lions to make sure that you take your privacy back today. All right. So let's see, what else do I want to talk about here? Oh, how about, yeah, how about this little uh, little nugget? I want to talk quick about the UK government rejecting a bid to make misogyny a hate crime. Misogyny, right? Because in the UK, as we know, if you post about social media on uh, about immigration, if you teach your dog to give a Nazi salute as a joke, someone's going to come to your house. They're going to try to find you. They might even jail you. So I'm always curious to see what the next round of lunacy is, because it used to be that the UK would follow the US, right? The US would lead in woke nonsense uh, and then and, and so the security state, right? 9-11 happened. The U.S. definitely led the way as far as the security state. Well, good news, the U.K. has now leapfrogged us. So now it's kind of interesting to see what the U.K. is doing as far as the psycho woke nonsense and uh, the security state, because we may be following them. So the latest news out of uh, the Epoch Times is the British government rejected calls to make misogyny a new hate crime, arguing it would only make it harder to prosecute sexual offenses in domestic abuse cases. Yep, probably so. So they said, uh, let's see, Pretty Patel, who, by the way, is a, there was a fascinating interview. Um, God, what's his name? I was just saying with uh, Modge over. He was did like his Joe Rogan interview. Uh, I'm not going to pull it up. Joe Rogan's not paying me fucking money. But he was talking with this chick, Pretty Patel, right, who was the Home Secretary of the UK, who was advocating for refugees to be shipped off to Rwandan camps, <laughs> basically. So she's a, a sweet girl. But... She has basically said that, uh, oh, I'm sorry, why she, she wrote why she's opposed to the amendments, which is shocking coming from her, saying that it would be more harmful than helpful, right? Quote, sex and gender should not be added as a characteristic for the purposes of enhanced sentencing and aggravated offenses, as it may be counterproductive in some respects. The particular model of hate crime laws is unlikely to prove an effective response to misogynistic offending and may prove more harmful and helpful both to victims of violence against women and girls and also efforts to tackle hate crime more broadly. It said it would make it harder to convict sex offenders and abusers as prosecutors would need to prove a hate crime had occurred as part of another offense such as rape. So that's interesting, right? Because at the end of the day, they're not doing it because it doesn't make any sense. Right, because then this is why, you know, it's, I was, I'm surprised Pretty Patel isn't for it. Okay, so that's why. Because the government of the UK, they want the easiest, swiftest way to get their way, you know, to get their prosecution, to get their uh, their convicts, to get people thrown into prison. And, and look, if you rape somebody, you should be thrown into prison. I'm not arguing against it. But I just want to point out that this isn't based upon some broader logic that has finally been applied in the UK to say, look, you cannot simply make an opinion that someone has that a man might be better than a woman. And again, their definition, this is also when in every hate crime, right? The definitions of these things don't make any sense. And they're so broad based as to be virtually uh, 
inconsequential, right? And that's why the government likes them. They want they want the language to be so broad it can be applied in any number of ways so that they can more easily wrap people into this net. So if you've got, quote unquote, misogyny as a hate crime, what does that mean? Does that mean if you say that a man is going to be more effective playing football than a woman? Is that misogyny? Is that a hate crime? If you if you say that a man can throw a baseball better than a woman, is that a hate crime? If you say that a man is is more athletically gifted that transitions into becoming a woman, is that a hate crime? Is it misogynistic or is it now because it's a woman? Not misogynistic. It's just, you know, it's crazy, crazy bullshit. And it's impossible to quantify because it is completely subjective when you talk about hate crimes. And that's the problem I have with hate crimes in the United States as well. It's completely subjective. So you have a subjective standard because unless somebody specifically said, I am going to kill you because of your race and skin and lays it out and dictates it and confesses that is this pure reason I did it. Well, I don't see how you could possibly provably have somebody convicted of a hate crime in any rational sense or any rational society. So naturally though, that's not why they're doing it. They're doing it because it is a barrier to the state having its power. It's a barrier to their effectiveness in throwing their own people in prison and gives people more of a tricky time and more of an out, if anything, to fight back against the charges levied on them by the state. Thus, that is why they are rejecting it. So I just thought it was kind of a funny little story because Number one, because good, good, it got rejected. But as we're seeing, the flip side of that good is why they reject it. And that's where the true insight into the thinking of these people really comes to bear. All right. Next topic I wanted to get into here. Um, (laughs) Okay. So Donald Trump finally has a social app. Now, now, maybe he was prohibited from having a social app as president, probably, right? Because that would be viewed as as next-level propaganda. And rightly so. I, th- I think probably rightly so. If you're president, you probably shouldn't have your own social media app wherein you are uh, able to put out your own, own messages uh, without any oversight or indication or, uh, I don't know. Again, you know, not that I think the president is the end-all, be-all, and I'm more or less for free speech. I think you should be able to, to say whatever you want. But the reason I have that concern is that in the interest of propagandizing a population, I do have an issue with a app being controlled by a governing person, uh, let alone a governing body, that would dictate what you see, when you see it, how you see it. Not to say that we don't already live in that society, I guess. I mean, we're already currently looking at a society wherein the mainstream media parrots whatever is, you know, gifted out to them in little drips and drabs from the press secretary. So I got a big plane driving by me. I'm hoping it doesn't get picked up on the mic. The drips and drabs from the press secretary or the military industrial complex or the spying apparatus, uh, you know, whoever it might be, they're happy to run with it. So it's not like we have a reliable, legitimate media anyway. But that does become different when you have something like a social media platform wherein you can very much control the narrative and what people are saying and then put it out there as though it's something not. But regardless, Trump's got his new app out there and apparently it's number one on the app store charts right now. It's called Truth Social. I can tell you that right now I do not plan on downloading it. Um, there's just too many goddamn apps. Like I said, the one I do like is Retalk, and that's um that's one that's more like the the Reddit, you know. And I had the CEO on last week. As I said, I have a comedy blog I'm starting up there. I have a post on there now. Uh it's called and I think appropriate title for now. Uh it's called Let No Good Crisis, right? And of course, dot 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 go to waste. And it's just that's the name of the comedy blog. I'm gonna just try to do a little weekly entry there. So if you want to uh, check that out. Just go to retalk and uh, you'll find my blog there. But he's got this, you know, social app and apparently people are jumping on it. There's still a lot of MAGA people out there. I mean, for fuck's sake, look at the people at CPAC. And I was laughing. I retweeted this meme that was out there and it was basically it said sack of potatoes and MAGA hat confirmed as speaker at CPAC. And that's essentially what it is. I mean, there's a shocking dearth of libertarians. There's a shocking dearth of people that you'd think the GOP would 
kind of read the room and be pivoting away from Trump. In my opinion, the dumbest thing they could do would be to run a Trump again. Because Donald Trump is the one guy that could galvanize the left, galvanize independence, and even possibly galvanize some people on the right that him, because there's a lot of anti-Trumpers that still exist in the right against him in order to prop up a Joe Biden or prop up whatever sack of shit the Democrats put up there. Whether that's Kamala Harris, whether that is the the ghost of Joe Biden, they'll have a seance for to raise him from the dead, and you know, they'll carry him, <laughs> they'll carry him around, you know, like. Every time Joe Biden does a press conference, the Ghostbusters come out and they throw their little power thing on the floor and open it up. And you know, like the power, <laughs> the ghost trap opens up and he comes out and goes, whoa, 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 like fucking like Slimer. He's running around. <laughs> the ghost of Joe Biden's running around sliming all the kids in the room and sniffing their heads <laughs> with the same big tongue hanging out. Oh, shit. Please, God, let the ghost of Joe Biden come and slime kids. Uh, not my kid, though. Anybody else's. But whatever piece of crap that you're out there. I mean, Donald Trump could galvanize the left against Joe, against him, against the against that movement. And CPAC, I was looking at some of the people that were confirmed, and I was just rolling my eyes at these chuds and these losers. And it's just who cares? And it's not like they're gonna go out there and say anything that we that we know is unique. You know, it's kind of the same old shit. It's gonna be more populist shit. They're going to talk about the vaccines. I think Trump is finally pivoting away from vaccines, but let's not forget Donald Trump was a big vaxxer. He was still banging the drum to get vaccinated. His own people were booing him. So again, why would they not read the room and realize that he doesn't embody the base anymore? I mean, he's moved beyond it. They've moved beyond him onto the broader concept of our liberty is being stolen. Our freedoms are being taken away. We are now more out of work than ever considering that we've been forced to lock down, that the supply chain issues have broken down, the companies are laying people off, and maybe some of them got paid out by Joe Biden in the money machine over the past year. I know a ton of people didn't have to work because they were getting government paychecks, but now's the time when that money's probably running out again. And you've got CPAC full of Trumpers. I, I just, I don't know, I don't get it. Not that CPAC should be broadly attended anyway, in my opinion, but I just don't get it. But anyway... The Trump uh, apps out there. I'm curious if anybody, I'm not going to get on there. If, if anybody's out there, I'm curious to hear what your experiences are. Tweet at me at Brian McWilliams or at Lions of Liberty. Let us know. And uh, yeah, I'll keep an eye on it. I guess if it gets big enough, we'll try to go on there like we did with Parler. What a waste of time that was. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, next thing, just a little, little tidbit of knowledge here I want to share with you. Voting out incumbents boosts economic growth and decreases corruption. What a shock. <laughs> what? What? What geniuses. But no, this is from a new paper coming out from Harvard, MIT, and French-based University Sciences PO, or PO, Sciences PO. They reviewed 2,493 national elections since 1945. They founded turnovers in which the ruling party was defeated, stimulates new policy ideas that translate into more dynamic conditions, both within political structures and the economies subject to regulation. Now, what's interesting here, right, is that as they, they point this out in the thing, a common criticism, criticism of democracy is that people, you know, they swing back and forth while the election election undermining stability of the authoritarian regimes uh, or static democracies that are supposedly provided. But the benefit of having a sort of market within politics outweighs the cost, according to Marx, Pons, and Rollet. And I'm quoting from a reason story. This is true when it comes to corruption, which is effectively checked by electoral turnovers. Quote, strikingly, turnovers have a large and robust negative effect on various measures of perceived corruption because incumbent politicians learn over time how to extract rents as they sit in office. Anyway, I thought this was an interesting study. Um, it seems, again, to fall in line with common sense, which is so perplexing as to why our political system is still so stagnated in this left-right paradigm, the two-party system. 
Maybe this paper will go a little ways towards like proving, look, we need new ideas. We need to have people like Nancy Pelosi's old skeletal ass thrown out of there. We need Adam Schiff's booted out of office. We need Mitch McConnell's booted out of office. Anybody that's been in office any decent amount of time, any party that's been in office, and in fact, the established parties that have been in office need to be removed and replaced because I'm sorry, if you are basically in power, if you know you're going to be back in power within four to eight years at most, you're telling me that you're going to come back with radical ideas? No. You're going to sit and have the same stupid fuck ideas that you're just going to say, well, we'll just wait till that's our turn again. And that's what they do. When's the last time you heard a new idea out of the left or the right? When's the last time you had a new concept thrown out as far as a legitimate rethinking of the economy, a legitimate rethinking of foreign policy, a legitimate rethinking of domestic policy, of how we handle poverty. Nobody has new ideas. It's the same shit doubled down upon and quadrupled down upon. When it comes to the Democrats, it's let's spend more money on education and poverty. And even though they have have diminishing returns in every way, in every stat, in every category, we can point to it. It doesn't matter. It's the same stupid ideas. When it comes to the Republicans, okay, we're going to go, you know, as Malice has said, and I and he broadly quoted, and I'll give him credit for that. Uh, you know, conservative is just progressivism going the speed limit. And that's what it is. They also don't have new ideas. They're not bringing anything new to the economy. They're not thinking up the next Bitcoin. They're not thinking up the ways to decentralize and radicalize economic factors in order to spur new growth and new categories. This is the free market doing. This is capitalists doing it in their own homes. These, these people in power are very content to simply take turns and allow each other to go up there and regurgitate the same shit. And hopefully what's happened over COVID, both sides uniting in vaccine mandates, uniting in forcing people to get through, you know, to stay home and forcing people to obey mandates. And yes, there's been better in red states, but they haven't by any means been some sort of liberators. Hopefully people wake up and see this shit. And yes, maybe if we actually had a shot in some of these different regions to showcase what new ideas can do when you don't have people just taking turns, then the broader population will accept that we can have a diversified, decentralized type of government. This paper, shared far and wide, people. Um, Okay, last thing going, and then I'm going to wrap it up here, um, is that the CDC... Noted bastion of lies, misdirection, miscommunication, obfuscation of the scientific truths of our day, as showcased perfectly by Rachel, uh, was it Rachel Lynch or Raquel Walensky, whatever her name is, on that Fox interview, where she would not dare to correct the absolutely inaccurate statements by Justice Sotomayor about COVID deaths in young children, about hospitalization deaths, about ventilators being used, about critical conditions, none of that. Wouldn't correct any of it. And simply, again, no new ideas. Tripled and quadrupled down on people getting vaccinated, even though the vaccines don't work. So what's the newest thing you say is the CDC going to put out there? What's the newest trick up their sleeve? Well, this is a new idea, I guess. And that is to lower the standards for speech in children. I can't even say this is a new idea. The progressives have been doing this in education for the past two decades uh, lowering, lowering standards across all fronts because they don't want to have to showcase performance. They don't want to have to have merit-based accolades because they know that they are not teaching well enough to achieve the merits. Their children are not getting taught basics of math, basics of reading, basis of reading comprehension, basics of critical thinking. Now, the latter one, critical thinking, I think is actually intentional. Because critical thinkers are dangerous thinkers within a system designed to propagandize and train people in order to be good soldiers of the state and to go along with the modus operandi that's been laid out for them. So critical thinking, throw it out the window. But we know there's a lowering standard, right? Across the board, they have lowered and actually eliminated uh, the standards for A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, well, not E, F, G, but you know what I said, A, B, C, D, F, right? Not even E. Why do I keep adding in a fucking E in there? (laughs) A, B, C, D, F. (laughs) Oh, maybe I need to go back to school. Anyway, they got rid of the the grade standards uh, as we know them. And now it's, you know, it's basically pass fail because they didn't want to have to make anybody quote unquote feel bad. And in the efforts to protect our gentle children and their gentle souls, they now have decided that 
we have to have a broader and again, more subjective standard for grading that, of course, gives them a perfect out that they don't have to teach children anymore and their parents don't get to see an effective measure of how their children are doing. Because that's really the end goal of this. It's that they don't want to have a standard that is easily identifiable, easily calculable by parents to say, my kid is not doing well. Why is my kid getting D's on this paper? Aren't you supposed to be teaching them? What's wrong? Is there a learning disability? Are you not teaching well enough? Do I need to step in? If it's just pass-fail, well, your kid passed the test. Good job. Don't have to worry about what percentage that is. He passed, right? And then, of course, it also comes down to... um to the the finer measures of standards of how you look at the uh, the interactions between parents and the school system, right? Something that's kind of interesting because I was I was chatting this weekend. I went to the Libertarian uh, Convention in or the California Liberty Convention, I should say, and I was talking with a couple of guys that I know pretty well um, about the it was basically the California school system. And Don D'Angelo is one of the one of the two. And the other one, I'm trying to find his name because it's Joseph and I'm blanking on his last name and it's fucking horrible. But they have a, a podcast focused on San Diego politics. Hold on. I'll try to find it real quick. Um, but they were telling me how they basically have given parents the option of, okay, it's pass fail. But if you don't feel that your child did well enough, uh, you can decide whether or not you want them to continue. Right. You can you can choose whether to pass fail them yourself. And of course, what parents can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, fail my kid. Yeah, they all say pass. They all say, no, no, he's fine. Push him forward because they don't want to deal with it. It's especially with a kid that's probably a problem child. You know, if they if they don't want to take an interest enough to make sure their child's doing well in school, they're not taking enough interest to want to keep them back another year. So, of course, they go out, push them through, you know, whatever. But it just shows to show you the standards are, are kind of lower. OK, getting back to this. Sorry, I got distracted. So now the CDC is lowering speech standards for children. Now, let me read this. Uh, they added two new development milestones at 15 and 30 months. Earlier, children aged 24 months were expected to know 50 words, roughly. In the new update, the CDC raised the time period to 30 months, lowering the standard of speech development. And they're saying that now because... Um, well, I, there's a bunch of stuff that is going to be a little technical. I'm not going to get into, but the long story short, you know why this is happening, right? They acknowledge in this, in this lowering that masks impede language development, and they also impede the process of kids learning how to read. Ah, <gasps> shocker. That's it. actually, no, I'm sorry. That was from the American speech language hearing association. So. This is, uh, and I apologize, I'm, I'm conflating the two because I'm reading this article. So this is actually not from the CDC. Should surprise nobody. This is from literacy advocate Karen Viates, the American Speech Language Hearing Association. So long story short, though, you understand why the CDC has done this. They've done it to obfuscate the effects of lockdowns, the effects of forced masking, the effects of keeping children out of school, the effects of keeping children from socializing where they learn interpersonal skills, where they learn to speak, where their vocabulary uh, is accelerated and grows because they're speaking, they're learning, they're hearing, they're talking back, where they can actually see people's mouths move, which is how you can learn to pronounce things. This is what we had been warning about. I had talked about this on 15 fucking shows about COVID in the past year, talking about how the detrimental aspects of these masking laws, of these lockdowns are going to have on children is going to be incalculable. Well, I guess there must be some calculation behind it because the CDC did some calculations of their own in order to lower the standards on this to make sure that now there is not the standard of 50 words by 24 months, which, by the way, I, I don't even know where that standard is. My, my daughter knows vastly more than that. It's got to be, if she knows, uh, she probably has 150 to 200 words, or maybe even more. I'm even counting. She has a vast vocabulary. So even that seems absurdly stupid to me that it would be that low. And the fact that they have to lower it even further shows you how badly this is going and how obvious this outcome was. Now, I'll leave you with that thought um, and one more thought. And this is, again, this is like driving me insane that I can't find 
the name of this podcast. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill myself. I gotta find it before the podcast ends because I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my mind and I feel terrible about it that I can't remember this guy's last name because he interviewed me. I'm gonna be on his podcast and uh, I don't know if we're gonna get there. I just don't know if we're gonna get there. Oh, homestead. Oh, wait, is it homesteads? No, it's not. Fuck it. I give up. I can't do it. I'm doing a live show and I just can't do it. So anyway, long story short, <laughs> I was having a lovely conversation with Joseph. Joseph, I'm sorry. But uh, we were chatting about COVID and, you know, I was talking about how this, we're talking and I was talking with Dave Smith and, and hanging out with him at the event as well because he had he spoke at this uh, California Libertarian Convention. I was talking to him about how, you know, Amash had given this speech and it was very much about decentralization and yada, yada, but it could it really could have been given at any time. Right. That was Dave's point. It could have been given at any time. And we have this pressing issue of COVID. Right. And it should be all we're talking about. Should all the libertarians are talking about is COVID is the spending is is inflation is the direct impact on people's lives that has happened because of this insane government overreach, unprecedented action taken by the government in response to a virus that still has a survival rate of over 99 percent. Right. This is what we should be focused on. And the fact that there's people out there speaking about other shit, about de- de- you know, decentralizing power in general is fine and dandy any other time, but now. And I raised the point when I was, you know, you know at the end of this interview, and I'll share the interview, by the way, because I feel I'll, I'll make sure I promote the living shit after just realism. I'm sorry. But I made the point at the end of it that as libertarians, If we can't take advantage of this situation, if we can't point to this type of shit that's impacting kids, impacting their speech, their development, their mental development, as well as their speech development, by the way, if we can't point to that, point to the economy, point to the supply chains, point to the inflation, if we can't tie a bow around this and go, we were telling you this was happening. We have been right about this shit. When are you going to wake up and when are you going to change and figure out something different and realize that we have to alter the structure of power here and that we have to take back our civil liberties? If the Libertarian Party can't make inroads now, pack up the tents, we're going home. What's the, When are we going to get a better chance? Never. Never. What are we going to wait? Wait for the next one. Let no good crisis go to waste. If we fuck up this crisis, we don't deserve a shot at the next one because there won't be anything better. There will never be a better opportunity than right now to showcase how fucked the government has gotten us and how they've done this willfully, how they've lied to us at all turns and how we need to fight back now. And we need to take back our liberties. And if we don't do it now, we might as well just quit. There you go. But don't quit just yet. Keep listening to the podcast. Share it far and wide, everybody. Share it far and wide. Um, uh, God damn, I'm still so mad. I can't, I couldn't find the podcast name. Well, whatever. If I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, this is what happens when you see, when you do the show and uh, you're like me and you want to do it in a uh, off the cuff fashion, it makes the show what it is. But it's also because if I go on a rant, I don't have a producer that I can be like, look it up and pop it into my ear. So I have to do it live time. It just doesn't work out, but whatever. It is what it is. All right, guys. Remember, I want you to listen to Tyler Colford, my boy, Crypto Man, and his track, Hashtag Free Ross. I told you about that last episode. Uh, awesome, awesome track. All about Ross Ulbrich. And uh, give him a listen. Every download donates to Ross Ulbrich's campaign. Um, so make sure to support that. And I want to tell you to listen to Burning Daylight, Burning with an apostrophe on the end. Burning Daylight from Matt McKinley. Great podcast, great guy uh, out there drinking, rustling, wrangling, real life cowboy out uh, living the good life of liberty. All right, that's it. For me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to liberty. <music>